DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation, presents The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist in Moral Living, with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation, located at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. He's the author of numerous books, including Remain in Me, Holy Orders, Prayer and Ministry, Spousal Prayer, and The Heart of the Diaconate. Deacon Keating has led more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality and regularly conducts retreats and parish missions. The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Deacon Keating, we were talking about the liturgy of the Word. The power of proclamation is something that also can influence an experience or an entering into the liturgy of the Word. And you had mentioned in the very beginning of the discussion the importance of when someone would say a reading from the first letter of John, and then you kind of take that into yourself to set your mind so you know what you're accepting. That moment of silence even after that, to allow that to occur is very important, isn't it? The, uh, the announcement of the Word, you know, that this is, this, is, this is different. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. Whether it's our, you know, sitting to receive it in a contemplative stance or standing to receive it in a stance of respect or uh, almost awe at the power of the, of the dignity of the one who is being proclaimed, Jesus, no matter what the body posture when it is proclaimed, this is the gospel, this is a reading from the Old Testament, the New Testament, rightfully our mind should then be awakened to like, to like understand this is something that we do not hear every day. What's going to be given to us now, what's going to be shared, what's going to be gifted now is something that we are not given every day. This is the revelation of God himself to his beloved bride. And the mind should be trained to, to attend at a very deep level the proclamation that is about to occur. This uh, also brings up the point of how it is to be proclaimed. And this is always a tricky point. I'm sure that some of you have had the experience where you've been at Mass and the, the reader is more fascinating than the word being read. Mm. They are reading it in a very dramatic fashion, almost uh, histrionics. And you're saying, wow, that person reads so well. That person pauses and has uh, inflections that are well-trained. And then again, the reading is over and you're not even sure that you heard the reading. It's a, it's a very odd experience that a, a well-trained reader sometimes gets in the way of the text. Uh, and you almost are fascinated by the gifts of speaking that is present in the reader. Now, the opposite is true, too. Someone who gets up and just mumbles or doesn't have any familiarity with the word, you begin to notice the reader more than the text. Does this person know what he's saying? Does she, does she understand the text? Does she understand when to pause or when not to? Does she understand what, what word to hit or what word to soften? I mean, she seems incompetent. And so this is a very, very tricky situation that the person who is proclaiming the Word of God can actually help the Word become more transparent or get in the way, be a, a literal stumbling block. And I've seen very well-trained 
uh, people in drama actually be a stumbling block to the word being trans transferred, and the opposite as well. Someone who's a bit more incompetent at reading can be a stumbling block. And so there has to be uh, good training, because this is un a unique expression of reading. It's not like the oral interpretation of literature or something dramatic. It's prayer. How do you read a prayer? How do you, how do you facilitate an encounter without you yourself becoming the encounter? It's very complex, and it has to do with both practice, but also spiritual preparation, and it has to do with something that we mentioned in our previous show, a sobriety. Uh, it has to be the virtue of, of sobriety and prudence, that this is not about me, and my skills will be used, but they will be used at a level of minimalism. Because what I'm trying to do here is to get out of the way and let the people in the pew be hit full force with the truth of the Word of God. And so lectors have an incredible responsibility, as do preachers, incredible responsibility to approach the reading prayerfully, not dramatically, and in sobriety, not in any sense of uh, uh, trying to be too histrionic in their approach, to just be transparent, to be dignified, to be competent, and to let the Word do the work. Let the Word do the work. Not my inflections or not my training. Let the Word do the work. Then that will be a true proclamation because the encounter will be with Christ and not with the lector or the priest or the deacon. And then if the encounter was with Christ, then that's when the liturgy of the Word can be transformative. I mean, the last thing any lector wants, and this is, would be a great suffering for anyone, is to be remembered as the lector that day. Um, the great compliment to any lector is, I don't know who read it. <laughs> I just know that that word of God affected me deeply today. It's a, a great gift that the lector passes on to us when they have taken that time to really pray with Scripture and when they present it back to us as a gift when they say, the word of the Lord. It's one of the reasons why, isn't it, the church took away, this is the word of the Lord, because the word of the Lord is not unlike when you're presented the body of Christ or the blood of Christ. The word of the Lord, you know, not specified by the word this. I, part of the reason, I think, was to unleash the power of the word, almost perhaps to get at that level of particularization that I mentioned before. Whereas if we say, this is the word of the Lord, and then people used to hold up the book, and then I guess some liturgists were uh, concerned that uh, everyone would focus on the book, that the book is the word of the Lord, and not the power that comes from the book, the power of transformed lives, the power of the church, the power of lay lives in the secular world. This is the word of the Lord. In other words, the church is the word spoken to secular culture uh, by those who have been humble enough to be affected by the proclamation of the word at the Mass. You are the word of the Lord. Now, Go and take that word to work and to civic associations and to sporting events and, and go be that word for everybody else. So I think there was some sense to move uh, the word this away from that final uh, proclamation of the lector uh, so that we could begin to meditate on the fact that the word of the Lord is power and that power affects me deeply and it's affecting me deeply, not for my own consolation, 
but so that I might bring that word out to the whole culture. And of course, the word that I have received in power is the word that begins to transform my conscience so that I can become a witness in society. That relationship between the formation of conscience, in other words, I've received the word of God in power. It's changing me. It's doing something to me. That relation between receiving the word in power and forming my conscience and public witness is incredibly close. In fact, the relationship is mutual, that we have to have people who receive the word in power, the formation of their conscience, so that they can literally go out and bring the Catholic Church into the nooks and crannies of the secular world. In other words, they can taste the dignity of the lay vocation. It's, it's the transformed conscience, somewhat formed. I mean, it's not totally formed at the Mass, but really formed, but not totally. It's the transformed conscience uh, that gives the lay person his or her dignity and worth because that's how they become evangelists of the secular culture. The last thing we would ever want is for our lay people to leave the church and go to work and then keep parroting People magazine or keep parroting Newsweek. Rather, they are supposed to be a contrast. When everyone is thinking about uh, the be-all and end-all of, of society's uh, critics being from Newsweek or the New York Times, the lay Catholic is supposed to chime in with a contrasting voice, the voice of Christ, the voice of Christ that affected him or her so deeply at Mass that they were changed by that voice. And now they want to add that voice to the culture. It will be salt, it will be a contrasting vo voice, but that's the dignity of their office as, as lay people. They are supposed to take the hit for Jesus. Well, I don't want to stand up right now and talk about gay marriage, or I don't want to talk about stem cell research, or I don't want to talk about, hey, we're not supposed to get divorced and remarried because that will ruin the conversation here at the office or will ruin the conversation here at dinner with my friends. But that's the whole point of the Mass, is so that this mystery takes up residence in you you're supposed to hate, take the hit for Christ. You're supposed to be the one voicing truth, not in some obnoxious way, but humbly, humbly and again, soberly. At dinner, when everyone is just taking for granted that divorce and remarriage is acceptable, why not utter the word? Well, I think that Christ was disappointed in those who acted that way and drop the word. What, what will happen at dinner? I don't know. People could get mad. People might change the subject very quickly. People might not invite you back. Even if you were to do it so soberly as, well, I think Christ would be disappointed in us if we continued to take marriage so lightly. E even you say it that way, it may cost. But that's the point. The point of our lives around the Eucharist is that we are to be the extensions of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We are to let that mystery in at the Liturgy of the Word, and then we are to carry that moral truth and those spiritual and religious truths out into the culture. 
And yes, we need courage, but more so today we need a network of fellowship, a fellowship of Catholics that you can call upon. I went to dinner last night. I, I just humbly spoke Jesus' truth and I was rejected. And the next day you have a friend to talk about that with. You have a fellow believer to talk about that with. The networking of fellowship of Catholics is crucial if the Word of God is to take on power as transformative in the secular world. Otherwise, none of us will stand up for it. If we have no friends that think like Christ, we won't be courageous enough to speak up in public. We'll return in just a moment to The Way of Mystery with Deacon James Keating. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus from the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus, that others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, 
and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Way of Mystery with Deacon James Keating. In service of the Word, that is what we're called as laypersons, to be able to bear witness. There are those in the church who have been called forward and received the gift of holy orders to be able to be a a stronger light for all of us. And that I'm speaking of the diaconate as those primary proclaimers of the gospel and servants of that word. The deacon is a very unique vocation today. It's, It's fascinating to me that it arose at the Second Vatican Council, the same council that rediscovered and articulated so beautifully the universal call to holiness. In other words, the layperson's call to holiness. So at the same council where the diaconate rose, the laity rose, so to speak. And I think that was not coincidental. It was conspiratorial of the Holy Spirit. Because as we move deeper into a theology of the diaconate, we are seeing that the the unique call of the deacon to be a cleric embedded in the secular world because most deacons are not fully employed by the church. Uh, They have uh, a secular employment. Uh, This may be changing. More and more deacons are becoming employed by the church. But as it stands right now, the deacon is a cleric who lives a lay life. And uh, there is a unique gift to that. And that gift, I think, can help fulfill, which what I think is the last really unfulfilled teaching of the Second Vatican Council, and that is uh, the layperson's role as transformer of culture, not as enabler of intra-ecclesial ministry. Uh, That's been taken care of. Uh, We are good at that now, and most dioceses have formation programs for intra-ecclesial lay ministers. The last point, though, is the transformation of culture. Who, Who among the laity are going to be martyrs for Christ? And as an envoy from the bishop, the deacon stands poised to understand both the lay life and the mysteries of the altar in a very unique contributing way to the spirituality of the layperson. And as this uh, diaconate unfolds, and again, it's only 40-some years now, so it's pretty new again, although it has a long tradition in the early church. But as this diaconal vocation unfolds, I think we will see a deeper collaboration between the charism of the diaconate and the, and the completion of the Second Vatican Council's call that the layperson is to transform culture. Because uh, the deacon might be in a position to extend the liturgy of the Word through retreats and catechesis and formation in the social teachings of the Catholic Church in a way that can truly unleash the knowledge of the laity about their own dignity and also give them, in part, somewhat, courage for more of them to stand up for the issues of social justice 
and the issues of charity that, that uh, are, are called upon each day in the secular world. And so there's a, a deep mutuality between the diaconate and this flowering of the secular identity of the laity. At least that would be the hope, that these two lives can actually give birth to the hope of the Second Vatican Council, that the layperson transforms the world for Christ. And lastly on this, I just uh, would say that I think the Liturgy of the Word also has to be extended in adult faith formation. The Liturgy of the Word uh, is just the beginning, just the, the beginning of the breaking out of Revelation to God's own people. That has to be more explicitly defined and explored in leisure, uh, in leisure time. And so a good faith, uh, adult faith formation program is an extension of the Liturgy of the Word, an hour a week, a couple hours a month, where competent people are looking into the catechism and forming the minds of business leaders, medical leaders, nursing leaders, educators, uh, people who just stay at home and raise their children, whether it's the dad or the mom, but bringing all manner of laity in touch with this mystery of Christ in a more leisurely, contemplative mode so that they have a chance to ask questions, they have a chance to explore more deeply this mystery uh, with one another. So the Liturgy of the Word is never complete at the end of the Mass. It has to have resonance and has to continue in good quality adult faith formation. Part of that taking in of God's Word to us and praying with that and allowing it to rest with us in those moments of silence that we're hopefully given during each proclamation is that response in faith of the creed that we carry that marks us as people. And in particular during the Sunday liturgy, the Nicene Creed. It is our credo. It is who we are. And it's the response, right? It's this, we stand at the creed after the word of God is proclaimed in the homily. We stand and we, and we say, we believe. The communal dimension is very strong in the creed. This is what we stand for. We believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We believe in the church. Um, all of these key components of our faith life, we then stand and proclaim. And as we stand and proclaim them, what we're doing, to some extent, is we are uh, also taking in and owning uh, the revelation that went before. Because we would never have the creed without the liturgy of the word. We'd never have the creed without the Bible. And so we're, we re receive the revelation, we meditate a little bit on it in the homily, and then we all stand, and that revelation is then solidified in us. We believe. Here's what the revelation of God has taught us, that there's a Father, there's a Son, that there's the Holy Spirit, that the saints help us, and that there's the church. And all of this comes from revelation, which just was explored and proclaimed in the liturgy of the Word. And so it's a capstone, so to speak, of the liturgy of the Word. And because we believe, we know that God hears our prayers is in conversation with us by responding to those prayers, maybe not always in the way that we anticipate, 
But as a community, we offer uh, for uh, the world, for the church, for so many other things outside of ourselves. Yeah, in the prayers of the faithful, what we have is the conscience fully awake, fully alive. Uh, all immorality begins when we do not see the other. If we do not see the other, we will do immoral things to them. We will objectify them. We will use them. In our fear and in our lust and in our greed, we will use other people. What the prayer of the faithful does is it, it really is the establishment of our open eyes. I see the poor. I see those who are homeless. I see those who have no food. I see those who are struggling in their marriages. I see the sick child upon his or her bed in the hospital. I see the lonely elderly person. I see where there is war and there needs to be peace. I see. I see as a result of having been seen by God in the liturgy of the word that God has come. God has come to us. God has come to me. And when God is done with us, he shows us the poor. He shows us anyone and everyone who is in need. And thus, out of this liturgy of the word, erupts this cry from the church to help the poor, for God to help them. And the greatest poverty of all is to sin. And so the prayer of the faithful basically is a prayer that cries out to God for help in our sinfulness. How pathetic we are in our sinfulness. And that we need God's help. Help us, Lord, get out of our own way so that we might see others and bring your word to others so that they may be released, so that we might set free those who are captive. So we move from the liturgy of the word to stand and to proclaim what we believe. And then the prayer of the faithful reminds us what we have to live if we so believe. We have to live like people with eyes wide open, who see the poor, the poverty of sin, the poverty of sickness, economic poverty, and to respond to serve those who are poor out of the power of the liturgy of the word, not our power, out of the power of the liturgy of the word. Lord, hear our prayer. Thank you so much, Deacon James Keating, and thank you for joining us. Until next time. You've been listening to The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for 
The Way of Mystery, The Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating.